0: Hi Calling Family, this is Pastor Michael and welcome to our church podcast. I'm so grateful for you tuning in today and I believe today's message is gonna strengthen your faith in Jesus. Talking about bitterness for three weeks now, it has been a surprise uh, series for me. What started off as a little idea of the Holy Spirit has really turned into something significant for me personally. I like to say I'm like a chef. I I don't know how to cook, but. Cheerios all right (laughs) but I'm like a chef what a good chef does is he tastes the food before he sends it on out to the people who are purchasing the food so all the messages that I preach are first for me come on someone say amen I've been dealing I don't don't, don't want you to worry about anything honestly don't worry but the past few years has been a little bit of a heartache for some obvious reasons, for me personally, spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. And I've been fighting in my faith over a certain area of my life and just believing in God's promises. And I remember when the Lord put this idea in my heart, he, he I kind of prayed about it. I'm like, God, I don't want to go there. <laughs> I don't want to go there. But sometimes God wants to go there because if we leave those rooms and those doors locked, it, it, we won't grow in our life. And God is about growing. Our value in our church, is one of the, our values is spiritual growth. Come on, someone. Spiritual growth, emotional growth. God wants you to become the person that he's always destined you to be in Christ. Christ Jesus you are not an accident you weren't born for just uh you know uh, your dad might have said you're a mistake you might be uh, 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 someone has told you it might have been a mistake but watch this you are ordained by the living God to be born for such a time as this to be to do good good in the world in Jesus name so don't be bitter all right let's get I, I promised myself I wasn't going to say it don't get bitter, get better. That's the first time I ever said that. Come on, y'all. I'm putting myself on the back, all right? Because that's not too original, all right? But reasons we get bitter. Why do we get bitter and resentful? So if this is your first time here, welcome. Uh, uh, we're ending our, our ser- sermon series today, but please watch the last two series. It'll educate you. It'll help you, all right? We talked about bitterness. We defined it. And we're going to continue to talk about some examples of bitterness in the text today that will encourage us, encourages us, all right? Uh, there's some reasons why we get bitter. Here are a few. We uh, Maybe we didn't get the promotion, all right? And by the way, God, I, I've been praying, Lord... Please share with me or show me how this has been working in the congregation. And at our fall party, it was an excellent time. People came up to me and shared with me, man, I didn't get the promotion. Man, this person was unfaithful. God has been working in my life. One guy showed me his notes. I was like, oh, thank you. I work really hard on it. No, it, uh, so uh, God is moving in a fresh way right now in our hearts, in our lives. But maybe we're bitter today because we didn't get the promotion. Maybe we're bitter today because we were recently let go from a job. Maybe you're still bitter from the Dodgers losing the world, uh the playoffs. Help me, Jesus. All right. En nombre Santo, Jesus Christ. I'm totally butchering that. I'm so sorry. All right. En de Padre, Hijo, y el Santo. Amen. All right. There we go. I got it. All right. We don't make. Maybe we don't make the income we need. Maybe a relationship went sour. Maybe a business deal went down the drain. Maybe you opened up a business during COVID and it didn't work out. Maybe a family member had done something or said something. Maybe you watched too much cable news TV. And by the way, I will not disciple uh, cable news people. Come on. Or I should say it like this. We are not meant to be cable news disciples, but disciples of God's word. Come on. Someone say amen. All right. We are bitter because we are disappointed. I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. Disappointment. Our expectations are not met. A dream hasn't been realized. I haven't met the man I want to meet. I haven't met the woman I want to meet. I don't have the kids. I don't have the house. All right? Or, Or we just don't get along with our spouse. I recently heard a story about a woman. She says, I cannot stand men. All they do is lie, cheat. And they still, I hate men. This is her perspective. All the relationships that she's been with, all the men that she's been with in her past, either lied to her, stole from her, or cheated on her. She, she, she just made that her confession. I, I cannot stand men. But the irony about it all is she really wanted to be with a man. She really wanted, uh, 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 she really wanted to be married. She wanted to have kids. She wanted to have a family. But uh, she became bitter, all right? Uh, resentful, but sooner or later, she got into a relationship. She went to Tinder, and I'm just kidding, christianmingle.com, all right, and she found a person, and soon enough, they were dating, and eventually, for a few months, things were going well, and they went to a local part or a party, a family part or a party, and so she went to, she stepped away, went to the restroom. She came back. She saw her boyfriend a little too close to another female. He was hugging her. He was talking with her, having a good time, and just, She just started to get poisonous and grumpy and angry. She exploded. This is why I cannot stand men. This is why I hate men. All they do is lie, cheat, and steal. The the boyfriend goes, "What's the matter with you? What's going on?" He she he goes, "That's my sister." All right. Then she. Got over men. She, I'm never dating men again. She said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna settle for a dog. A dog will make me happy. Until the dog went poo-poo on the kitchen floor. Then she said, I hate dogs. No, I'm just kidding. All right, pain can be perpetual. Resentment can be perpetual. Bitterness can be perpetual. That's why in our church, we're going to heal from who hurt us and from, from whatever someone said about us. We're going to heal from the past because if you don't heal from it, that root is going to grow up. It's going to be a shrub. Then it's going to be a tree. That tree will bear branches. Now you're going to be completely overshadowed by pain, hurt, and resentment. And any, nobody wants to be under that canopy. Come on, somebody say amen. But God, God doesn't want us to d- dwell there. We're meant to dwell in the light of God's love and grace and mercy and compassion. We're meant to move forward, not backward. Somebody say amen. Keeping score of old scores all right, and scars getting even and one-upping always. By the way, there's some tendencies that real bitter people have and do. They're always, how many of you know if you're here, God bless you, Amen. All right. How many there's sometimes there's people just one-upping you in the conversation. You're like, "Yeah, I went to Knott's Bear farm." But they're like, ah, I got I went to Disneyland." Right? They're always one-upping you. All right? Bitter people are resentful. They're trying to one up all the time. They're always uh uh they're ready they're like a scorpion. They're ready to sting you. All right? But getting even and one-upping always makes you less than who you really are. All right? Beating Bitterness, beating bitterness. I want to give you three examples from Scripture today as I've studied from Exodus, from the book of Ruth, and later on in 2 Timothy, three characters in the Bible that I believe that we can relate to and learn from. I want to share some examples, and I'm obviously opening up my heart to share some of the things that I've gone through and how I've overcome, and I honestly am overcoming some of those things even as I speak right now. I want to give you three examples from Scripture that I think will bless your life. And like I was saying earlier today, I've always learned from preachers and disciples of God who are honest about their struggles and real about how God was moving in their life in a fresh way. As I was worshiping this morning and, and uh, just singing with you guys, I really felt the Lord tell me, someone is here today, that you are reaching out for God in a way like you've never done before, and God says to you today, "I'm gonna reach back and bless you. Help is on the way. Don't worry. Come on, someone say Amen. He's coming. He's working. All right. He's a. You might not see it. You might not feel it. People been nagging you, and you might you might have just have a certain attitude. But watch this. God, you reached out. Now God is gonna reach back and bless you. Come on, someone. You're gonna discover God like you've never done before. Let's go to the Book of Exodus, chapter. 15 verse 22, look at this experience from Israel and Moses. We can definitely learn a lesson or two about the Israelites. It says this, then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur, all right, for three days, say three days, for three days they traveled in the desert without finding water, all right. When they came to Mara, say Mara, say Mara one more time, if your name is Mara, I'm sorry, I'll well, we'll describe this in a bit, all right? They could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Marah. So the people, what did they do? They grumbled against Moses saying, What are we to drink? All right. It's amazing in the same chapter chapter 15 ex- Exodus 15 when one moment they're praising and they're singing, their deliverance, God is good, God is just. I've never we never seen God move like this amongst us in Egypt. He defeated a superpower. The mo- one moment they're singing and they're praising, the very next minute guess what they're doing? They're grumbling and they're complaining and they're bitter. All right? So God gives them a taste of their own medicine the very first place that God leads them after the See, after they cross, the very first place is this place, the, the, uh, this location called Mara. I'm speaking to someone today. Maybe you're in a situation, maybe you're in a spiritual location, maybe you're in a physical location or mental location. You're somewhere right now where you are bitter. But watch this God, you, you, sometimes we confuse a temporary season or a temporary location. For God's final destination, I want you. I want that to sink in. Right now, you are confused. God, I followed you, and this is where I am. This is what I get. This is the kind of place I. I. am I'm, I'm. I followed you, and I trust you. But you lead me to Mara. Let me tell you, friend. Oh, we came back. Let me scoot about and go. Urgh. Shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. Let me get my pulpit. I've never done that before. This before, that's the new one. All right. But you're, you're confused. God, this is where you led me. I've trusted you. All right. But watch this don't confuse God's final destination or his destiny and his plan for you for a temporary season in your life. Oh, come on, somebody. That's some good stuff right there. Even a tree doesn't worry about it when its leaves fall down because it knows that, it's, that it's, it's a season. Oh, come on, someone. I'm speaking to someone today. You're in fresh pain. You're in fresh hurt. But God is saying, don't confuse that with a permanent season. This is just a temporary location. You're in camping right now. This is not a settlement. Somebody say amen. Israelites, you're here today because it's a test to reveal what's in your heart. I have vineyards you didn't plant. I have houses you didn't build. I have a land flowing with milk and honey. Don't confuse that promised land with the bitter waters of Mara. Someone out there today? Isn't that good? You're, 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 it reminds me of a story that a dad he 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 uh, he told his family, particularly his his son. He said, "We're going on vacation," and he showed him on the iPad. He said, "Son, look at this." Evergreen forest. We're gonna be there. These pine trees. Can you smell it already? It's gonna be amazing. He said we're gonna be right by the waters. We're gonna see uh, uh, orca whales. It's gonna be awesome. And uh, the son was so excited. He loves his dad. His dad always, come, always comes through on his word and his promises. They got in the car as a family. They drove four hours later. They were in a desert. And they, the dad said, "I gotta get out of the car and put some gas in." The son just started erupted crying. God, dad, where, you, where are you? you? lied to me. I trusted you. The dad had to. Just tell his son real quick, son. We just made a pit stop. We're still on our way. Come on, someone you out there? Don't confuse a uh, uh, God's destiny and His purpose and plans for you for with a temporary uh, season in your life. Right now, you're going through a pocket of pain. Man, this man cheated on me. Man, I didn't get the promotion. Man, this this relationship went sour. But watch this. Even Ecclesiastes says this. Look what it says. It says, for everything that happens in life, there is a season, a right time for everything under the sun. So maybe right now that they're going through pain and there's resentment and there's bitterness, God wants to take the root out, but he wants you to learn from that situation. Because in order to get to your destiny, sometimes we have to go through bouts and battles in our lives. Someone say amen. I'm just I'm skipping ahead in my notes, but I'll never forget a time when we first started the church it's so funny how God works. We started with zero dollars and about three people fresh out of Bible school. Uh, I was actually never a staff member at a church. I kind of honestly didn't know how to speak. But one of the characteristics of me is I tend to think I'm courageous and brave. And I, I went for it. I got the blessing of my pastor. We started our church just up the street on Foothill across of Full, uh, Whole Foods. I could not stand the first location we were at we were at a fencing dojo it was hot the floor sucked and not only that when we rented this dojo and by the way we were we had we didn't even have enough money to go every weekend every Sunday we could only go once a month come on talk about faith now somebody say amen we couldn't even make it to every Sunday we did once a month and I, I, we had courage we had faith and tenacity God we're going to start this even by once we're going to grow from once a month to bi-weekly that's we did, and then every weekend. Come on, someone say amen. When God is in it, it will succeed. It will not fail. If the Lord is with you, you will do good. Come on, someone say amen. Uh, uh, so we started. Someone say amen. Come on, let me know you out there. All right, a good message. All right, we started up the street, and I could not stand it. And and what made it worse, to add insult to injury, the guy I rented from it was a fencing studio. All right, they left their gym bags and their gym dirty, smelly socks. And we cleaned their socks up. And that made me so angry and honestly bitter. Lord, how could, I'm not going to pick up nobody. That's not my socks, God. But it humbled me. It humbled my team. And we truly believe that God put a dream in our hearts to really help people in Pasadena and the San Gabriel Valley. So we humbled ourselves and we did it. All the while, God had planned to open up a a, 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 972-seat auditorium for us. If you just continue what God says, he is faithful. Come on, someone say amen. You out there today. Don't confuse a temporary season for a permanent, destina- uh, 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 permanent, uh, permanent destination, God has great plans for you. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. To give you a future and to give you a hope. And I know we quote that a lot in church. And I know we quote that in, and it sounds nice and it sounds pretty. I've studied theology, folks. And sometimes... What we study in theology, a lot of times we study the hard passages. The hard passages are sometimes God and His sovereignty allows certain things to happen. It does. My my dad died, and I wish that didn't happen. It hurts, it still hurts. But you know what? I have faith that my God is so good that he's sovereign and his will is good. He's not a man that he should lie. He's not sinister. I know the character of God. I've walked with God, and I trust that if he took him, it was for a reason. And I know that the next time I'll see my dad, it'll be forever and ever and ever without no time. But it doesn't mean sometimes I don't need Jesus To to cry on his shoulder. Come on, someone out there. So sometimes God allows certain things to happen, but watch this. You have to, have to, have to believe it's for your greater good or it's for the greater good. Somebody say amen. God doesn't make things worse. God makes them better. Watch what Moses does to the waters of Mara. So he cries out to, the, to God because the people are grumbling. Look what, the, look what the Bible says. Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and watch this, the Lord showed him a piece of wood, or some translations will say a tree. He showed him a tree. Watch this, he threw it into the water and the water became fit to drink and went from bitter, literally the Bible says, the waters of Marah was bitter, it went to sweets. That's what your God does in difficult, distasteful, unsavory situations God makes them savory and makes them sweet somebody say amen can I get a testifier out there today he makes them uh, from unsavory to sweet God has changed my life I, I had a distasteful bitter broken past but but when you got, God is involved he makes things gooder and gooder so to speak watch that the Bible says this in Isaiah he he can give us beauty for ashes the oil of joy Instead of mourning and a garment of praise despite despair. Although you see through a keyhole, God sees the full picture and you're going to make it. Somebody say amen. So are you settling somewhere you were only meant to camp? The thing about Israel that was so destructive to themselves, and I say this to themselves, was they could not see and believe, say believe, that God would come through on his word. They constantly, God was testing them. But you know what they did to God? They constantly tested God. Right? And, God and God had this plan for them and a purpose for them. And so they wandered and they also died in the desert, uh, most of them, all right, almost all of them, because they could not see that God would come through um, on his word and in their life. I'm here to tell someone today, hang on, God is coming through. Don't let go. He's going to turn your uh, sourness into sweetness. He's going to turn your bitter situation into something sweet. Somebody say amen. I know that you may have had encounters uh, with bad men in your life but just hold on. That's some, that that awesome, great guy who loves Jesus is on its way. Come on someone. Someone out there. Maybe girls. Maybe you have You you trusted girls and they've broken your heart. You're waiting on God for a wonderful woman. God is coming through. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a career. Maybe it's a new dream. God is going to come through. Someone say amen. I know I'm not alone up in here. Someone say amen. That's one lesson we can learn from the Israelites is that God turns something sour into sweetness if we just hold on. And by the way, a lot of scholars say That this was actually a real tree or a real bush that absorbed the bitterness. But you know what this really is, y'all. When Moses throws a tree into the waters of Marah, a branch... This is a, a this is a foreshadowing of the cross of Jesus Christ. That when you get when you get Jesus in your life, oh man, he's gonna make something sweet out of your life. Come on, somebody. You got a friend in Jesus. You're never alone when you have Jesus. You got someone to talk to. Even when everyone abandons you, he never leaves you. He's your provider, your sustainer, he's your substance. Come on, someone. He makes something sweeter, your life sweet in Jesus' name. Here's my second one we can learn from. Uh, in Ruth, I'm gonna have the keys player. Man, it's that time already. Uh, Ru- Ruth, we can learn a lesson from Ruth. Say Ruth, Ruth, chapter one, verse nineteen to twenty. Y'all out there, you All there, you're enjoying this. It says this. So the two women went to went. Uh, uh, so the two women went until on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred. Let me pause for a moment. Share this story. Naomi is uh, the the mother-in-law of Ruth. Naomi had two sons and a husband. But for some series of unfortunate events, her two sons died and her husband died. And especially in these times, widows had no income. They had no ability to sustain themselves. And uh, Naomi was left with uh, her two daughters-in-law. And so now she has no income. She's, uh, she's um uh, she has no one in her life, so to speak, but her two daughter in laws. She makes a resolution I'm going to go back to my hometown. In Bethlehem. And she told her two daughter in laws, just go your own way. There are Moabite women. They weren't even from Bethlehem. They weren't Israelites. She said, go your own way. Don't worry about me. But you remember the story of Ruth. She says, where you go, I go. Who you believe in, I'll believe in. Who your God is, will be my God. And this story continues here. When they arrived in Bethlehem, they came back. The whole town, say, whole town, watch this. The whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call. Look what she says because of her distasteful scenario. Look what Naomi says. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Almost the very same, is the same word as Israelite Lake. Call me Mara because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. Wow. Do you know what Naomi means, friend? Naomi, her name, her real name means pleasant, but she was stuck in a temporary situation that made her so embittered, hurt, discouraged, and disappointment, disappointed, all right, so she says they're so excited to see her, but she's like a porcupine, don't touch me, don't come near me, don't look at me, don't call me Naomi, that's the old me, I'm now Mara, that's not the life that God intended for you, my friend. My friend, God did not intend for your life to be sour, to be angry, to be resentful. God is, I believe that what should characterize a Christian ought to be joy, ought to be happy, ought to be thankful. How about joy in every season? How about joy in every circumstance? Although you might be facing an unfortunate situation like Ruth or Naomi, all right? We should be characterized, the people of God should be characterized by joy. But she says, don't, don't call me Naomi. Call me bitter. But you know how the story goes. And this is exactly what God wants to do for the calling church. He's doing, honestly, he's doing this in my life right now. God has asked me to see something right now, even when I can't see it with my physical eyes, to see it in the spirit. Come on, someone. Ooh, God wants to speak to your spirit. I lost my spa, my space right now. <laughs> oh, look at look at the story. You know that's not how the story go, ends. That's not how the story ends with Naomi. You know the story. Naomi says to Ruth, her daughter in law, "Go work in this area. You're going There's a man there, a kind man by the name of Boaz, and you you know this. Boaz is is, is a Ruth's kinsman redeemer, and he marries her, and they have a baby together." I believe by the name of Obed. And Obed is the father of Jesse. And Jesse's the father of King David. The second greatest king ever to ever come in this world. Other than Jesus Christ. God revived her dream and restored her heart. Although her, her, her sons had died. Although her husband died. Look what God does. He takes a bitter situation and he makes it pleasant. Just like her name. You know, watch this. What's even more amazing is that in the genealogy of Jesus... In Matthew chapter 1 or I believe Luke chapter 1 or 2 you know all the descendants of Jesus this person begat that person when it talks about Naomi it doesn't call her Mara it calls her Naomi because that's her God given name somebody say amen Bitterness changes your attitude, your outlook, your viewpoint. It changes your speech and your relationships. As a people of God, although we may face trials and challenges and difficult people, we still ought to be joyful, happy, understanding, forgiving, and loving. Who wants to be around bitter people? All right, nobody. uh, Or become one of them. It ain't no fun and watch this you got to be careful because your attitude will determine your altitude your attitude will determine your altitude so if you're just bitter you're hurt you're angry all the time and watch this not only does it your mind your thoughts but if you start speaking be careful what you speak because words are powerful the bible says that your words are like a rudder to a ship whatever you're saying is going to come right to you come on someone say amen God didn't create you to be bitter and sour. He called you to be sweet and savory, like salt on some good McDonald's french fries, like some Chick-fil-A sauce on a spicy chicken deluxe, like some creamer to some bitter coffee, like some salsa on some El Pastor tacos, like some barbecue sauce on some baby back ribs. That's who God called you to be in your community, in your workplace, in your family, in Pasadena, in the San Gabriel Valley, not just you, but us collectively. That's who God has called the calling church to be in the San Gabriel Valley. so that people all around will see the love of Jesus Christ and the sweetness of Jesus Christ amongst us in our church moving among us someone say amen come on someone my last one is this my last uh, uh anal- or illustration from the bible is second timothy chapter 4 look at paul what an amazing man what an amazing man second timothy chapter 4 verse 9 through 11 says Do you? He's at the end of his life. Paul was a man of just great faith, and he he went through a lot of tribulation and trials. And a lot of our scripture, almost two thirds of the New Testament, was written by this apostle. All right, and he's at the end of his. You've you've heard the scriptures. Now I'm being poured out like a drink offering. Some beautiful words he writes. This changed the face of the world. So I fought the good fight. I've ran the race. You know what he says at the end? It's not in my notes. You know what he says? I kept the faith. I kept it. Life will want to make you let, let it go. COVID-19, two years, people will, want, will challenge you to take your, the devil will try to take your grasp off of faith. But he says, I've kept the faith. He says, now there's in store for me a, a crown of righteousness. All right. But look what he says, because he knows he's about to be persecuted and martyred in Rome by Nero. We know this in history. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9 through 11 says this. He's talking to Timothy, a young new pastor, in his 30s to take over the Ephesian church. He says this, do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, look at the tone. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia. And Titus, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful. By the way, this Mark is the bi- person who wrote John Mark, who wrote the book of Mark. And earlier, The first missionary journey of Paul and Barnabas, Mark got so scared that he fled them, and Paul kind of had this—he kind of got bitter, perhaps a little bit, didn't want to do ministry with him anymore. But as he is about to die soon, he says, "Call for Mark. I don't want to be bitter anymore. I want this relationship to be restored." Someone say, "Amen." Second Timothy chapter four verse fourteen. Look, he goes on to say, another person, Alexander, say Alexander, Alexander the coppersmith or the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. Lord watch this he said I'm gonna get back I'm gonna get him back no he says watch with watch this the Lord will repay him for what he's done second Timothy chapter 4 verse 16 at my defense no one came to support but everyone deserted me but look what he says may it not be against them but the Lord stood say but the Lord when everyone has left you when no one wants to listen to you you don't need to get bitter. Watch this. Because there's someone who stands beside you, and you got the Holy Ghost inside of you. Someone say amen. But everyone deserted. May it not be against them. But the Lord stood by my side and gave me strength so that, that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear. So what does he feel? He feels abandoned, lonely, deserted. Deserted. You know who also felt this way? Jesus. His closest companions, the 12. You remember, Peter, I will never forsake you nor leave, nor leave you. Uh-huh. He, he, he downright, dis, uh, he downright um, uh, uh, rejects Jesus at one point of, of, because of his fear. When Jesus died on the cross, most of his closest followers weren't even there. All right, But he still didn't hold resentment in his heart, nor does Paul hold resentment in his heart. People may fail you. I can tell you time after time, there are people in the last six years, honestly, that I've done ministry with in this church. That I can feel like, Paul, man, God, I want to get even with them. They were with me and then they backstabbed me or whatever. But you know what? I don't need to pay attention to those people because watch it. Watch this. The the Bible says this. Only Luke is with me. Now watch this. There's going to be some Lukes in your life. You don't need to worry about Alexander, you don't need to worry about who disregarded you, who disrespected you, so to speak, who deserted you and fled you, God wants you to focus on the people that are around you, not the ones that have abandoned you. Come on, someone. Because if you focus on those people who have abandoned you, you're going to get hurt, resentful, and bitter. But think about the people that God has put beside you. I am so grateful for Pastor Martin. I'm so grateful for Pastor Ronnie. I'm so grateful for my in-laws who've been beside me. All these days of ministry, when people, honestly, when people haven't been apart or around, they've always been around me. But if I focus on who left, then that's... that's gonna be hurtful and despiteful. But watch this, God didn't call me to be sour, he called me to be sweet in Jesus' name. Someone out there. Look what Matthew chapter 28, verse five through 10 says, the angel said to the women, watch this, the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. This is when Jesus had passed and rise from the dead. Uh, Do not be afraid for I know that you're looking for Jesus. They expected Jesus to be in the grave. Who was crucified. He is not here. Say he's not here. He's risen. Just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples. He has risen from the dead. And is going ahead of you. Into Galilee. There. Someone say there. There you will see him. You won't see him in the grave. He told you he was going to be there just temporarily, just for a little season, just for three days. So, so go on ahead. That's where he's going to meet you because he's not going to meet you in the grave. Uh, let me continue on because I'm getting excited. Now I've told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid, Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee. They, there, say there, there they will see me. My point here is that stop confusing this bitter, difficult scenario with where God wants to take you in your life. God is over there. He's not in that stinking grave Or in those grave clothes. Even Jesus wasn't stuck. God wants you to get unstuck. He wants you to move forward. He wants you to have a new attitude, all right? Because you don't have to be who hurts you. You don't have to live with perpetual pain and unforgiveness and unsavoriness. God wants you to live a taste-worthy life. He wants you to be savory. He wants you to to be sweet because he's so good. And I believe that God is going to do some fresh work and is doing some fresh work in your heart, someone said this: the difference between bitter and better is just the letter "I." The difference between bitter and better is just the letter "I." I will move forward. I will forgive. I will let go. I will press on. I will get better. What God, uh, with God by my side, I will beat bitterness. Every head down, every eye closed, in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's message. Our mission as a church is choosing Jesus chasing freedom, discovering our gifts, and serving Jesus. I have a question for you. What is your next step with Christ? Take your next step today by visiting thecallingla.com. If today's message touched you, we love to partner with you in sharing the hope and the message of Christ. So visit thecallingla.com slash give.